Luke chapter 2, we'll begin to read in verse 1. I'll invite you to stand this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, begin to read in verse number 1. The Bible says these words, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Canarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because... There was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him and made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning the child, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, the greatest gift that was ever given. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that your Spirit would challenge hearts and lives today. God, I simply pray if there's one here who has never received Christ as Lord of their life, that God, they'll choose to do that today. I pray no one will refuse Jesus that stands in need of Him today. God, I pray that you'll burden our hearts. And God, out of an act of love and gratitude, Lord, we'll be like these shepherds, God, and we'll share this wonderful message that Christ has come and he's coming again and we'll invite people to receive what we have received and to be a part of the life that we now have through you, O Jesus. God, bless this time. Be honored and glorified through it all. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. You know, when you're offered a gift, um, a lot of times, you know, the giver is watching uh, how you respond, you know, and, and you know that I'm telling the truth this morning. There's some people you can't go over enough for. Uh, no matter what you say, how you act, they're going to say, well, you, well you, just didn't, you didn't like it, did you? You're thinking of somebody right now. You know on Christmas morning somebody's going to give you something, and no matter how much you tell them you like it, they're going to say, well, you didn't act like you really liked it. Um, you know, there's not a response that's enough. So, but people are, are watching. But you know, really, there's only three responses that you can have to a gift. To receive, to reject, or 
is, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, to re-gift. Uh, you know, you can, you can re-gift something. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, you know, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What the Apostle Paul was saying is this, there aren't words in the Greek language for Paul to be able to fully express how wonderful it is what God did in sending His Son, Jesus Christ. God gave mankind the greatest gift that has ever been given on that first Christmas morning. And I want you to know that those responses that we talked about, they're right here in our text this morning. To receive, to refuse, and to re-gift. I want you to notice this morning, first off, the response of receiving Jesus Christ. Remember last week we preached uh, Gabriel's interaction with Mary. We saw that Mary was a virgin. She had been betrothed to her husband Joseph. Legally, they were husband and wife, but they had not yet consummated their marriage. She was a virgin. And so while their marriage was legally binding, they, had, they were not fully married in the sense that they had not yet consummated their marriage. They had not had a marriage ceremony. And Mary was favored among women, not above women. And God had chosen her to be the womb in which Jesus Christ would live for nine months and then the full appointed time that she would give birth. And so as the angel shared that message, I want you to see first of all so this morning that, that Mary received the person of Christ. She responded to Christ by receiving, but she, re she received his person. Uh, verse number 45 of Luke chapter 1 says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. God was sharing with her how she would become pregnant. Verse number 35 says, It would be by the power of God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and therefore also that Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. And so God was sharing His will for Mary's life, that she would be the mother of Jesus Christ. Again, God was going to bypass the sin nature of Adam. Jesus would have no father but God the Father. And Mary would be his earthly mother that would carry him for nine months. Then Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, Christ would be born. And so he literally, physically lived within her womb for nine months as a baby. And that's a special time. I remember when uh, Melissa was pregnant with both of our children. And, you know, it's not a knock on Nick, but the first is always more special than the second uh, in the sense of you, you, it's because it, it's new. And, you know, you parent different after the second one. The first one, you're worried to death about every germ that they get. And then the second, you know, you don't care if they lick the doorknobs after that. You're just, you're over it. But don't you know, Mary had those saints. Listen, the, the wonder of wonders, the wonder of wonders that Jesus Christ was alive in her womb for nine months. Every kick, every move, as she talked to him, she sang to him. But, and listen, to think about this. She, she was able to pray to him in her stomach. To think about all of those things. But she received God's will for her life, and in that, she received the person of Christ. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Not only did she receive the person of Christ, but Mary also received 
the message of Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. God spoke a message through Gabriel, and she received that message. Uh, verses 39 through 35, God spoke a word through her cousin Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And she received all of those things that God spoke. The father of John the Baptist, Zacharias. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. God prophesied through Zacharias truths about Jesus Christ. Listen, she received those things. And in verse number 16 of our text this morning, Luke chapter 2, now after she is given birth, God has revealed truths about Jesus to the shepherds. Verse 16 says that they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger and the shepherds begin to share all that they've heard from the angel and all the truths that were sung about him. And notice what she did with those things. In verse number 19 of Luke chapter 2, the Bible says that she kept all these things. That word literally means to keep to obey. You know, she didn't just keep for the sense of, you know, well, I know that. But she received God's message that she might be obedient to it. Continue to look at your Bibles for in verse number 19. The Bible says not only did she keep all these things, but she pondered them. That word ponder in the original language means to confer with one's self. That is to, to think on truths and to, to, to mull them over inside. What does this mean? What is my response to be to this? What is, what is the time-transcending truth that God's sharing with this passage of Scripture that I've, I've kept in my heart, that I aim to obey? What, what is it that God is saying to me in this? But the Bible says that she kept all these things. Look again in verse 19. She kept them in her heart. That's the center and the seat of all spiritual life. And so it's no wonder to me then, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, the Apostle Paul, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, wrote this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. She kept all these things. She pondered them in her heart, which is the seed of our, our spiritual life. You know, fast forward 33 years. John chapter 19, verse number 25. That same mother who had carried the Lord Jesus Christ in her womb for nine months, who had wrapped Him in swaddling clothes, who had changed His diaper, who had fed Him, who had helped Him as a toddler begin to walk, who had begun to teach him the Word of God even though he had already spoken it, who began to raise him in the strength and admonition of the Lord, that same mother watched her baby as a man be nailed to a Roman cross in John chapter 19, verse number 25. Praise God, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. She saw him resurrected. She saw those nail-pierced hands. She saw those nail-pierced feet. She saw his side that had been pierced. And though blessed among women to physically bear Jesus into the world, this same woman needed to be saved from her sin. The one that she had given birth to would be the one who could give her spiritual life. And so by faith, Mary trusted Jesus, God's Son, to be Lord of her life. Not only did she receive His person, but she received His message. And because of that, she received his spirit. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, Mary was among those who tarried and who waited. Jesus ministered for 40 days. The, the, the disciples and those women who were with them, they prayed for 10 days. And then on the day of Pentecost, Pena, five, 50 days after Christ's resurrection, the Holy Spirit of God fell. It indwelt those who had turned and who had received Christ to be Lord of their life. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was one of those. Think of that. Mary is the only person who ever lived who not only held Jesus bodily inside of her, but also held His Spirit within her heart. Isn't that something? And friend, we're able to do that too. When you repent of your sin, when you respond to the message of Christmas that God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's you, would believe on Him, who would believe on Him, would not perish but have everlasting life. When you receive Jesus to be Lord of your life, you receive His person, you receive His message, and then, friend, praise God, you receive His Spirit, and that's what gives you spiritual life. So there's the response of receiving. But I want you to notice also the response of re-gifting. Well, you may look down on me from re-gifting, but there's some reasons to re-gift. It may just be because you don't like what you got. You know, they gave it to you, you appreciate with their heart, but there's just no way that you're ever going to be able to use what it is that they gave you. You know, and it just might be that you're just, you know, you really don't like it. It might be that you already have one, you know, so there's no need for you to have two, so you want to, you know, share it with somebody else. Or it may be because you receive so much of what it is, you know. It may be that you get one of my Christmas favorites. It may be that you get a bag of old-fashioned cream drops. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, some of you have no clue. I, what happened to all the good Christmas candy? It's just all, it's all gone. Or it may be that you're one like me. Now, my dad, he loves these. You love old-fashioned Cordial chocolate-covered cherries. I don't think a goat would eat them. But, you know, you love them. That's great. That's something I would re-gift. But if I got a bag of old-fashioned cream drops, man, I'm going to cut them open. I'm going to share them with my family. They're so good, it's too good just to hold on to. You need to re-gift that. And, friend, you share it with those that you love. Look what the shepherds did. Verse number 8 says, now they were in the same country, Luke chapter 2, they're in the same shepherds living, in the field, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now you need to understand, these were the Passover lambs. These were the lambs that the shepherds, that the priests would use, that came through the sheep gate, and that the, the priests used uh, on the Day of Atonement. These, these, they were raising unblemished, lambs to be, to be used as sacrifice, to, to stand in place of the people. That's what their job was. And the Bible says in verse number 10, while they're just going about their business, they're working, verse 9, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel shares a message. He says unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for how many people? All people. I want to say again, friend, in the face of a lie, a doctrine that's being spread in so many churches, that Christ only died for a certain amount of people that He predestined to be saved. Friend, that's not good news. But it's good news that Jesus died, that He might meet the need for all people, that all people might be saved. 
if they'll simply turn and trust Jesus Christ. That's the message of Christmas. Good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. And so he begins to share this message, verse 11. He's here. The one that's been looked for since Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, since 4,000 years ago, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and a promise was made, when God called Abraham and said, I'm going to make a great and mighty people out of you, when, when God redeemed the nation of Israel from Egypt and said, you're to be a kingdom of priests, when God made all of these promises that there was going to be a one who would come through a virgin, the, the angel comes to say, listen, it's happened. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, one who will save you from your sins, who is Christ the Lord. It's, it's, it's bound up in the text that Brother Ray quoted this morning, Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And it had happened. It was, it was there. Mary had given birth to Jesus. And don't miss this. God gave these shepherds a gift and that they were the first ones to hear this. He shared this truth with them. And the Bible says that they, they recognized the source of the message. Look at verse number 15. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. He said, this is what we didn't... It's not that we've been shepherding for days and we're weary and we're seeing dreams. They truly realized an angel and a heavenly host had appeared to them and God had shared a message with them that Christ has come to redeem a lost and dying world. And don't miss this. They personally responded by faith. They believed the message. They didn't dismiss the message. They didn't reject the message. Listen, they chose to re-gift the message. They wanted to go and share with others what God had shared with them. And I like this. Look at verse number 16. They didn't say when it's convenient we'll go. They didn't say when I get around to it. They didn't say, well, if God ever gives me the courage or opens the door. The Bible says they came with haste. The Bible says they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Friend, you need to understand this. They left their livelihood to die in the field. The reason that they watched their flock was because all of the predators. See, sheep are dumb animals. They need a shepherd to take care of them, to guide them, to lead them, to make sure that they're safe. And they completely abandoned all of their livelihood it would be as if, friend, you left your bank book, you left all of your account numbers, you left everything just laying on the sidewalk in downtown Chattanooga and just walked away from it. If you've got a, a phone app that has your banking information, it would literally believe like it would be as if you logged in and just left it all laying to go and respond to what it is that God had shared. They left all of those lambs there, their livelihood. They forsook 
all. But I like this, friend. They left the substitute to go find the real. That's what, listen, those lambs were a substitute. The book of Hebrews says they were a shadow. When those lambs died, it was simply a shadow of what the lamb slain from the foundation of the world would do for us on the cross at Calvary. They left the substitute to find the real. And verse number 17 says, Now when they had seen him and had made widely known the sayings which was commanded them concerning the child. That means they did it. They didn't just take a, a course about how to share Jesus. They didn't just sing songs about sharing Jesus. They went and they told people about Jesus. They put their faith into action. The Bible says they made it widely known. They made sure everybody heard what they had experienced. They shared with others the gift that had been given to them that they had received by faith. They had never heard Matthew 20, 19 through 20, where Jesus commands the church to go. We've heard that, literally. As you are going, make disciples. Reach, teach, and encourage. Acts 1, 8, Jesus says, you are to be my witnesses. You are to start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus commands the church, we're to share. They, they hadn't even been commanded. But they loved their fellow man enough that they wanted to re-gift and share what God had shared with them. Friend, I want to ask you a question. Do you love your neighbor enough to do that? Do you love those who've never heard about Jesus enough to re-gift what you've experienced in Jesus Christ? They simply loved their fellow man enough to re-gift what God had given them. And I want to tell you, friend, it's not just at Christmas, but every day that's the way we're to live. That's living on mission. It's re-gifting with a lost and dying world what you have received from Almighty God in grace and mercy. And that's eternal life. It's a second chance. It's life more abundantly here, but praise God, it's life in heaven forever. That we're not going to go to hell to share with people who've never heard how they can experience that life. That's re-gifting Jesus Christ. But third, sadly, there's a third response to the greatest gift that's ever been given. And it's a response that sometimes is appropriate with earthly gifts. And that's the gift of refusing. Sometimes it's appropriate to refuse. You know, you, you may be at an office party, and they call it Dirty Santa, whatever. You know, you've heard all the silly little names that go with it. But you may be at a, uh, you know, at a family party and you, know, you open the gift and it's got some lottery tickets in it. Well, as a child of God, the right thing to do is to refuse that because gambling is sinful and we shouldn't be a part of that. Somebody may give you, you know, a bottle of wine. You need to refuse that and say, no, I care more about my testimony than that. Thank you, thank you, but no. It may be something that's immoral and you need to refuse that. Sometimes it's right to refuse a gift. But friend, I want to tell you, refusing God's gift has eternal consequences. Has eternal consequences. If you refuse Jesus Christ and you leave this earth without receiving him as Lord of your life, don't you listen to me. You'll die and go to a place called hell. Hell is a place that God, who is love, has prepared for all people who will not receive his son, and who die in their sins. The Bible teaches it's a literal place. It's an eternal place. It's a dark place. It's a place that is separated from the light that you've benefited while on this earth. 
the light of the Holy Spirit that lives within the church, you have benefited from as one who's refused God's great gift. But one day, friend, that light won't be there anymore. And not only that, friend, sadly, it's a place of terrible torment where the fire is never quenched and the worm dieth not. That means this, friend, the pain never stops and you never really die. It's a terrible place to go. But can I tell you something? I've got good news this morning. You don't have to go there because God has sent His Son. It's the message of Christmas. He has sent His Son to be your Son. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born that He might live and that He might die on the old rugged cross, this one that's like in our baptistry right behind my head. And He might hang there, listen, in your place to be your sin substitute. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. That's the penalty for sin. And Jesus took that penalty upon himself. I'll help you understand it in a little way that might you grew up with. He took the whipping for you that you deserved. On the cross, he took God's whipping and he died in your place. All of your sin was cast upon him. That's why Jesus was born, that he might die. And the Bible says if we'll turn from our sin and trust him, We'll be saved, but you've got, to, you've got to receive Christ through repentance and faith. Well, why would someone refuse? Why would someone refuse Jesus Christ and trust Him to be Lord of their life? Look at verse number 7. Here's an example. The Bible says that Mary, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, we always focus on the end. No room in the end. All, all the rooms are taken up in the end. But that's not true. There was room somewhere. The innkeeper had a room, but he wouldn't give Jesus his room. There was room. He, the, the innkeeper could have said, Here, no, Mary and Joseph, you take my room. Now, I want to tell you something, friend. The reason so many people, you better hear me this morning refuse God's great gift is because they have no room in their heart for Jesus Christ. I'm not going to evacuate my life so that Christ can be Lord of me. Just, just no room. I don't have any room for Jesus. Well, there was room, but he wasn't going to step out of his room so Christ could come in. And hell's full of people, you hear me this morning, that went there. They heard the message, they had the opportunity to receive Christ, but they would not step out of their life so that Jesus Christ could come in. They were going to be Lord over their lives. Luke 19, verses 12 through 14, Jesus shares a, an illustration about people who are just like that. It, it speaks about what he did, what he came to do, and the response that many people gave him. Listen to what Luke 19 and verse 12 says. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom in return. That's Jesus. And that's the church. Jesus said over and over, my kingdom is not of this world. It's a kingdom of souls. So he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten minas. This is money. And, delivered, and says, do business till I come. But look what happened when he went to receive his kingdom. Listen to verse number 14. Listen. But the citizens of that kingdom he went to receive to himself, they hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And when you refuse Jesus Christ, when you refuse the gospel, and it's this, 
to repent of your sin, Luke 13, 3, to agree with God you're a sinner, and to turn from that sin, and to trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. When you refuse to do that, what you're saying to God is this. Listen, nobody is going to run my life but me. When you do that, my friend, you refuse the opportunity for Jesus Christ to come into your life and to take over and to give you spiritual life, friend, that you can't have any other way because He begins to live in you. And the life that you begin to live now, it's not by your power, it's by the Son of God that loved you and gave Himself for you. That's what you're refusing. You refuse that. John chapter 1. In verse number 11, Jesus said of all of those Jews who refused him, he came unto his own, John says, and his own did not receive him. They refused him. Why? They were looking for something different. They wanted a political Jesus. They wanted a Jesus that would let them keep living the way that they wanted to live, but would move Rome over to the side and move them back to the forefront. They really didn't want to surrender their life to Jesus. What they were looking for is not what God promised. Who they were looking for is not who came. What they were saying is this, God, thanks for the gift, but I don't really like it. You know, you, you, you say, you know, Messiah, I must repent, I must receive him, I must turn from my sin. I'm not interested in that. God says, this is my gift to pay for man's greatest need. And when someone refuses Christ, they, they reject God's plan. But many still today sadly refuse for the very same reason. But listen to what the Bible continues to say in John chapter 1. Listen to verse 11 again. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. Now listen to verse number 12. Listen, but as many as received him... To them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. But of God. I want you to listen to me this morning. The person beside you, in front of you, or behind you, they may stand in need of receiving Jesus Christ today. And they, just like you, Stand in the, and they may refuse Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean that you have to. Just because somebody else chooses to die and go to hell doesn't mean that you have to choose that. The Bible says many, many, many rejected Jesus Christ, but as many as received them, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. What's Christmas all about? John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that's you. Put your name in the world. For God so loved Chad. For God so loved Brian, for God so loved Nancy, for God so loved Rex, for God so loved, say your name in there silently, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus. He gave him, friend, that he might die. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. Now listen, whosoever that's you, that Chad, that Nancy, that Wayne, that if Chad, Rex, Nancy, Wayne, that whosoever, that's you, would believe in him. That is, believe that he came, believe that he died, believe that he rose again. And in so doing, turn and trust him to be Lord of your life. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son 
And whosoever believeth in him, and literally, friend, that is, receiveth him, would not perish in a place called hell, but praise God would have everlasting life. Friend, listen. I don't care what you've ever gotten or what you may get this Christmas or if God gives you another year, another year to live, what you're going to have in December 2023. You'll never receive a gift. There's never been a gift given like Jesus Christ. And initially, there's two responses. I beg you this morning, if you stand in need, don't refuse Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's nothing in your life that's worth dying and going to hell over. Nothing that you hold on to that you're going to have to turn from is worth dying and going to hell over. Turn this morning. Don't refuse. Receive Jesus Christ. You do it through repentance. Agree with God that you're a sinner. Luke 13, 3 says you are. And then by faith this morning, trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. If you'll do that, my friend, the Bible says it doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've sunk, what your life has been in the past, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, literally, friend, that is, it was a promise. If Chad calls upon the name of the Lord, he'll be saved. And friend, I'm glad to report to you this morning, I called and he saved. And if you'll call this morning, if you'll simply pray just like this, listen, humbly from your heart, God forgive me a sinner. I admit my sin. I believe Jesus came. I believe Jesus died. I believe Jesus rose again. I'm stepping off my heart, and I want Jesus to sit down and reign, be Lord of me. Save me, Jesus. The Bible says he will save your soul. He'll give you spiritual life. And here's good news, friend. You don't always hear. He'll give you life more abundantly now. A better life than you could ever have imagined. But it comes down to this. Listen. Will you receive it? Or will you reject it? And if you won't receive him, there is no in-between. You're rejecting his gift. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know that you need to receive him today. Will you not do it by faith? Will you not choose to do it? He loves you. He came. He bled and died. He rose again. He's in heaven and he offers to you his life, his righteousness, if you will only receive him today. There's only one way to do that, friend. It's to turn from all of your old life and by faith today to trust him to be Lord of your life. If you want to do that this morning, you want to receive his forgiveness and his life, would you not tell him so where you sit this morning? Tell him from the depths of your heart, that inner place within your heart. Tell him so. Tell him just like this, silently, where you sit. Receive him this way. God, forgive me of my sin. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I believe you rose again, as the Scriptures say. And I turn from all my sin today, and by faith I receive you to be Lord of my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your life. And I receive the life more abundantly that you want to give me in whatever days I have left to live. That's my prayer this morning. Did you receive him? I'm going to stand here at the front in just a moment. After we pray, I want you to step into one of these aisles this morning. I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life now that you've received him. And for all those who have received him before, 
would you not let this Christmas be so special because you just celebrate and you worship him and worship him through obedience by re-gifting what he's done for you. There's not a person under the sound of my voice this morning that doesn't know someone who stands in need of Christ. Will you not re-gift to someone else as these shepherds did? That means, friend, forsaking all. Christ forsook all, Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 5, might not his mind be in us. Not just this Christmas season, but every day. As we re-gift to others what he has done for us. Father, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified through every response as your Spirit speaks to us and challenges us today. I pray no one will grieve the Spirit. No one will disobey you. But what you invite men and women to do today and the days ahead, God, we will honor you and will glorify you through our obedience. Be Lord of this invitation. And God, we just want to join together one more time and say thank you for loving us enough to send Jesus Christ to die in the place that we deserve to die. Thank you, oh God. I pray we'll demonstrate our thanks through obedience to every single letter of your holy word. It's in Christ's name we pray, and amen. Let's certainly stand our feet.